0: Good morning, it is good to see all of you out this morning, it's good to have you all with us and we are certainly appreciative of your presence today. Our lesson for this morning continues what we began studying last week. We began a study of the book of Numbers, so this is the second lesson in that study and I believe I've got at least material for two more lessons and so we'll continue with those next week. Uh, But today we're going to begin looking at Numbers chapter 10. I gave you uh, just a little outline, um, a basic outline of what we're going to talk about. Uh, In the first portion of the book of Numbers, we began studying chapters 1 through chapter 10 and verse 10. And that is preparations for the wilderness. They were preparing to go into the wilderness And then we find in chapter 10, and verse 11, where we begin today and and going through chapter 21. And we won't finish this segment today, uh, but we're looking at the wanderings, the wanderings of the people. And then in chapters 22 through 25, we'll be looking at the Balaam incident. And chapters 26 through 36, preparation to enter Canaan. So far, what we have looked at in the book of Numbers is the numbering of the people. The numbering of the people. And in particularly, the numbering of the men of war. And secondly, we have the encampment of Israel. The encampment of Israel. We also read of the law of the Nazarite, a Nazarite vow that was taken. Uh, Specifically, we remember throughout Scripture going forward, We remember Samson, if you'll remember at his birth, he took upon himself the law of the Nazarite, the Nazarite vow. And even though it's not stated specifically, uh, whenever we look at John the baptizer, John the Baptist, whenever we look at him, we also see that that the the things that he did were very similar to the law of the Nazarite. And we closed the lesson last week with the blessing of, of Aaron in Numbers chapter 6 verses 22 through 27. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up up His countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put My name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. What we're going to read about today seems to take us far away from that blessing It almost seems as if Israel is heading in the right direction, and they they are to a certain point. But as we go through our lesson today, we're going to find that they they do not continue in faithfulness to God. And we see uh, some of the things that happen to them, some of the consequences they face because of their actions. We pick up in Numbers chapter 10, and if you would like to turn there and follow along with us, uh, again, most of our readings will come from the book of Numbers today, although we will look at a couple of others, but we'll we'll stay primarily in Numbers. We're going to begin with Numbers chapter 10 and verse 11 today. Numbers chapter 10 and verse 11, we're going to begin reading through verse 13. Now it came to pass on the twentieth day of the second month, in the second year, that the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle of the testimony, And the children of Israel set out from the wilderness of Sinai on their journeys. And the clouds settled down in the wilderness of Haran. So they started out for the first time according to the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. God had given His will to the people. He told them what He wanted them to do. And so they began, they set out on their journey... Now I want you to remember what Israel has gone through in the last several years and even decades. Uh, Whenever we look at Israel, we find they have been delivered from Egypt and their bondage. And that's something that we don't need to forget. But it seems to be something that Israel forgets very soon. The tabernacle has been constructed. The tribes have been numbered, which is where we left off last week. And we have this ultimate question, well, they're setting out on their journey, but where are they going? Where are they going? The answer is Canaan. They're going to Canaan. They're going to the land of promise. I want you to go back for a moment with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, and here we read of God's promises to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, beginning with verse 1, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. To a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We read in verse 4, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. They come to the land of Canaan. This is the land that God had promised for them. However, there is something in particular that we should note about their coming into the land of Canaan. You see, as they came into the land of Canaan, Abraham and company dwelt in the land only as strangers. This was not the, the ending of the promise that God had made to Abraham. This is not the ending result. This is not where they're going to stay. In Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 8, Hebrews 11, and beginning with verse 8, we read this, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive, "...as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God." I want you to notice in particularly the the wording of verse 9. By faith, not by sight, not being able to see exactly what God's plan was. By faith, He dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. He didn't go there to build a house. He didn't go there to build a city and to begin this promise and to begin spreading out and to bring his descendants into the world that they would live in the land of Canaan. He dwelt there as in a foreign country. Whenever God promised to give him this this great land, the promise was not necessarily for Abraham on a personal level. But for his descendants, through his faithfulness, through him teaching his descendants to remain faithful to God, and as long as they were faithful, they would receive this land, and they would eventually. But even as they journey in the book of Numbers, they're not going to be able to go into that land, at least not this generation Though the people going to Canaan in Numbers are his descendants, the present generation is not to enter the promised land either. God is faithful, however, in keeping his promises. It wasn't because God was not faithful to his promises that they wouldn't enter the land at this time. But more so because of their lack of faith in God. Because of their lack of faith in God. But God is faithful in keeping His promises. But in this case, His people were not faithful in receiving them and obeying Him. And that is the reason that they do not enter into the land of Canaan as His promise. As a matter of fact, as we get to Numbers chapter 11, we find that Israel has a desire to return to Egypt. They desire to return to Egypt. And in Numbers chapter 11, beginning with verse 4, Numbers 11 and verse 4, Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat. We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. God fed them. God took care of His people. However, they didn't like what God gave them. Their desire for meat, more so than than manna, the manna that God provided for them, leads them to consider return to captivity. Oh, how easy it is for Israel to look back, to remember what had happened, and to want to go back. They had forgotten the hardship of their labors in Egypt and why God had led them out in the first place. They forgot. They forgot. How often is it that sometimes we, too, do the same thing? Maybe we forget where God has brought us from. And we, too, may have a desire to return, forgetting all the the hard things that we've gone through already. That's exactly what happened with Israel. Well, we find that God grants them their wish for meat. They want meat, and God is going to give it to them. We pick up reading in Numbers chapter 11 and verse 16. Numbers 11 and verse 16. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the Spirit that is upon you, and will put the same upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself alone. Then you shall say to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it is well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. You shall eat not one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you because you've despised the Lord who is among you and have wept before Him, saying, Why did we ever Come up out of Egypt. think the Lord doesn't have a sense of humor in some ways. I'm going to make it come out of your nostrils. I'm going to make it come out of your eyes. You're going to eat it until you don't like it anymore. Verse 31. Now a wind went out from the Lord, and it brought quail from the sea and left them fluttering near the camp. About a day's journey on this side and about a day's journey on the other side. All around the camp and about two cubits above the surface of the ground. And The people stayed up all that day, all night, and all the next day and gathered the quail. He who gathered least gathered ten homers and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people. The Lord struck the people with a very great plague. So he called the name of that place, kibreth Hataba, Because there they buried the people who had yielded to craving. They were disobedient. They lacked faith in God. And God was going to show them why they should have faith in him. As we come to Numbers chapter 13, we come to a very familiar story, the story of the spies. In Numbers chapter 13, and beginning with verse 1, we begin reading this, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord. All of, the, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now these were their names. I want you to pay attention to the names. I'm going to ask you something about these names in a moment. Verse 4. Now these were their names from the tribe of Reuben, Shemuah. The son of Zakur. From the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Horai. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. From the tribe of Issachar, Igal, the son of Joseph. From the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun. From the tribe of Benjamin, Paltai, the son of Raphu. From the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sodai; From the tribe of Joseph, that is, from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadai, the son of Susai. From the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gimelai. From the tribe of Asher, Sethor, the son of Michael. From the tribe of Naphtali, Nabai, the son of Vafsai, From the tribe of Gad, Geuel. The son of Machai. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Now, which of those names do you recognize? You can go ahead and say it. Joseph from Manasseh. Which, well, of, the, tri- of the, the actual men, of the actual men that were called out as spies, The names that we remember most are Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. And there's a good reason that we remember Joshua and Caleb and that we do not remember the other ten names that are given here. We find the report of the spies. They go into the land. They view the land of Canaan. And in verse 26, beginning in Numbers 13 and verse 26, "...now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit." in verse 28, Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said... Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. I've used this lesson in the past, and and one of the things that I like to bring out here is the view of the men. They all saw the same thing. Go back to verse 27. We went to the land where you sent us. And they all agreed. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. There was no disagreement on the land itself. They agreed that the land was very good for them to, to go into if they were able. The land was beautiful. It was, it was very plentiful. And it was, it was well able to supply all their needs. The problem was how they viewed the land. How they viewed the land. Caleb said, we are well able to overcome it. However, the other, ten tri- or the other ten men that had been sent as spies from the other tribes said, we are not able to go up against the people. And certainly we know that Joshua was right there with Caleb. They, they were in agreement. The problem was how they saw it. You see, as they viewed the land, you have Joshua and Caleb. And they see it through the eyes of faith. They see it through the eyes of faith. They look upon the land and they know that God is with them. And they know that God, if they put their faith in God, that God will allow them to be able to overcome the people. The other ten did not look at it with eyes of faith. They saw the land with their own physical eyes. And as they looked upon the land with their own physical eyes, they saw the people that were in those lands. They saw that they were big, that they were uh, in great numbers. And looking with these eyes, they couldn't see victory because they they had no sight of God leading them to that victory. One of my favorite lines in Scripture is, some may trust in horses and some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in God. There's a reason that God didn't want them to use these things because God wanted them to see Him providing the victory for His people. And He would have provided victory for his people. He was ready to provide victory for his people, but they couldn't put their faith in him. And again, Israel desired to return to their captivity in Egypt. Believing the majority, Israel would not listen to the good report of the two. They wouldn't listen to the faith of Joshua and Caleb. They couldn't see the faith of Joshua and Caleb And they believed the numbers rather than those that were faithful. Numbers 14 beginning with verse 6. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh who were among those who had spied out the land tore their clothes and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying the land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land if the Lord delights in us, if the Lord delights in us then He will bring us into this land and give it to us. a land which flows with milk and honey, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation, in verse 10, said to stone them with stones. They were to the point where they were not going to listen. And not only were they not going to listen, but they were ready to stone Joshua and Caleb. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. While Joshua and Caleb could see the possibility of victory in and through the Lord, the other spies in Israel could only see their destruction without Him. And had it not been for Moses' intervention, God was ready to kill them, as we read in chapter 14, beginning with verse 11 and reading through verse 25. Of the number of Israel, only Joshua and Caleb, only Joshua and Caleb would be allowed to go into the land of Canaan. No one in this present generation, other than Joshua and Caleb, was allowed to go into that land. We know that Moses would be allowed to see it, but he would not go in because of his sin before the Lord and striking a rock that he was told to speak to. Upon realizing their sins against God, upon realizing their sins against God, Israel decided to obey though a little too late. And so as we close chapter 14, we read in verses 39 through 45, Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel. The people mourned greatly. They rose early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain, saying, Here we are, and we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. Moses said in verse 41, Now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not go up, lest you be defeated by your enemies. For the Lord is not among you. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword. Because you have turned away from the Lord, the Lord will not be with you. But verse 44, they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in that mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormah. What was the problem? This is exactly what God wanted them to do. He wanted them to go into the land. He wanted them to take the land. Now all of a sudden, He's not with them. They disobeyed. They disobeyed. They, they failed to put their faith in God. And now, now is not the time to do what the Lord had commanded them before. God was not with them. And Israel, in this case, acted of its own accord. Moses warned them God is not with you. Do not go up. The Ark of the Covenant stayed. Moses didn't depart from where he was in the camp, they went on their own and they failed. God allowed them to be defeated because of their initial lack of faith. There are some lessons that I want us to learn. Some things that we can take with us from the lesson today. First of all, God's promises are for those faithful to Him. God's promises are for those faithful to him. God kept his promises to Abraham because of his faithfulness to God. Leave your home, and Abraham did, and God promised that he would bless him and his descendants for his faith. And God's promises for us today, he will keep. The promise today of salvation from sin, the promise of eternal life, will also be kept based on our faithfulness. We understand that to be our faith leading to obedience, just as it was in the Old Testament, the same pattern we follow today. Except we're under a new law. And so we follow the new law, but by faith we are led to also confess that faith, to repent of our sins, to be baptized for the remission of them. And as long as we are faithful, as long as we are obedient, we know that God is faithful to save us, just as He has promised. And the promise of eternal life is for us also. But again, it is based on our faith and continued faithfulness. Another lesson that we can learn from this is that the majority is not always right. The majority is not always right. Israel chose to believe the numbers rather than the faithful and it cost them their promised land, Canaan. This generation would not go into the land of Canaan except for Joshua and Caleb because of their lack of faith in God. And likewise, salvation and the promises that come with it will not be found in the numbers. It will not be found in the numbers. I want you to notice the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this in verse 13. Matthew 7 and verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. The wide gate and the broad way leads to destruction, and how many? Many. Just a general realization of many will go and by it. The majority is going to go by the wide gate and the broad way, because it's easier But the narrow gate and the difficult way which leads to life, there are few in comparison that will find it. He goes on to say in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, many, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Salvation is not going to be found in the majority, but in the few who are faithful. It's based on our faith, and again, our obedience. See, who does the will of my Father in heaven and one final lesson doing the right thing too late is futile doing the right thing too late is futile Romans 14 and verse 11 repeats the prophecy of Isaiah Isaiah 45 verses 22 through 25 Isaiah 45 verses 22 through 25 look to me And be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness. And shall not return, that to me every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall take an oath. He shall say, verse 24, Surely in the Lord I have righteousness and strength. To him men shall come, and all shall be ashamed, who are incensed against him. In the Lord all the descendants of Israel shall be justified and shall glory. The descendants of Israel are not just the, the bloodline of Israel, but spiritually speaking we are children of Abraham if we live by faith and are obedient to God. There will come a day that every knee shall bow before the Lord and every tongue shall confess Him. That is true. But unfortunately for the majority, by the time they realize who Jesus is, And by the time they bow the knee and confess Him, it will be too late. It's not too late for you. If you understand the Word of the Lord and you've not obeyed it, if you've not been faithful, in either case, this invitation is for you you have the opportunity to leave here in Christ, and we hope that you would not leave here outside of Him. If you need to be obedient, if you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins, we can do that. We'll take care of that today. If you realize that you've not remained faithful, maybe you need to come back. Maybe you need to ask for prayer, for help in some way, for forgiveness from the congregation. Whatever the case may be, we want to help you. (coughs) Because we love you and we care for you. And so, as we do each Lord's Day, each time that we assemble, we offer you the Lord's invitation. If you are in need of coming in any way, then please do so as together we stand and as we sing.